Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Mouse and Joystick. This time, we'll be covering the months of September and October, pre-Halloween, that is. And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, joined by my two co-hosts, Michael and Noah. Let's jump into what we've been playing since our month and a half, two-month absence here over at Mouse and Joystick. And I want to talk about what I've been playing most recently, which I'm pretty excited for, which is uh, Titanfall 2. Brand new shooter from EA and uh, Respawn Entertainment. Uh, formerly from the creators of the older Call of Duty games, like the Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2 games. Um, I was a little optimistic when I heard that this game was going to be coming out this year, actually, just because it's... I'm personally not a big fan of when they decide to release the game right in the middle between Battlefield 1 and what is it? Uh, Infinite Warfare. Call of Duty Infinite Warfare. Uh, talk about putting yourself up against big competition right there. Um, the main competition. <laughs> <laughs> it's even weird too considering like one of those is Battlefield 1 so it's EA competing against itself. I don't know why they decided to do that. But I suppose it's fine because Titanfall 2 is able to stand out enough from that to where it could exist. I think the big problem is the fact that Call of Duty Infinite Warfare comes out like next week. And they're both futuristic shooters where there's like grappling hooks and jetpacks and stuff like that. But regardless of what it's going up against, I want to say that just from the couple hours I've played of the game so far... Uh, I won't go too in depth with this because I I do kind of want to make a full full on review of this later on. But Titanfall Two is a lot of fun so far. I played probably about two hours of the campaign, and then about two hours of the multiplayer. Both of them are very fast paced, and they they feel very good. Like the they've definitely done a lot of little tweaks from the original Titanfall. To just make this game feel incredibly smooth and a lot, lot cleaner to play. If you, I don't know if you guys play the first Titanfall or not, but it's definitely an improvement over that first one. And um, but uh, yeah, like the the movement just is super fast, and the uh, like the parkour and jetpacking across terrain feels incredible. If if you were someone that was on the fence with this game, I'm going to s just go ahead and say I recommend it. Just off of my first impression of the game so far, I can't really say that like the campaign is going to be amazing or anything, as far as uh, like the story goes. But it, it's fun, it's fun definitely. And uh, I can't say how deep the progression for the multiplayer is, 
But so far in like, like two hours or so of playing, I've only been able to unlock a handful of like perks and uh, camouflage and stuff. I don't have that many weapons yet. So I think they definitely did a lot better with that in regards to the way it was in Titanfall 1. There's a lot more longevity to it. But uh, that was that was yeah. what was missing from Titanfall, the first one. Yeah, I never played a whole lot of Titanfall one, but from what I hear of other people, it, you were able to unlock everything in that multiplayer right away. Made Which, it a lot less fun. It depends who you are. I can see some people that want that longevity and want to spread out their unlocks, but there's definitely a, a crowd out there that wants to get their stuff right away and then just spend time playing with that new stuff. No. Yeah. True. But so far, um, I think Titanfall 2 is going to be the better of the two in terms of just overall quality and amount of content. But again, this is mostly like a first impressions. I've only put like four hours into the game, so I can't really say for sure whether or not it's going to be worth it in the long run or it's going to be a must-buy or anything like that. But that's just what I've been playing, uh, like most recently. Now I want to hear what you guys have been playing, Michael. I know you've you've been playing a couple of uh, games on your your own. I want to hear about some of those. What what's been uh, um, what's been something that you're you've been really pumped to play? Let's see. I got Dame Game Dev Tycoon about a little while ago. What is uh, Game I've been Dev playing Tycoon? That. What is that? It is like your normal tycoon game, uh, where you are like basically making something. You're making in this one like your own business, basically, and you're making games, and you get to choose what like what genre, what uh, what type of game, like uh, RPG, adventure, action, some uh, strategy or anything like that. Um, and eventually, you can choose like multiple topic, multiple genre, uh, and you also get to choose which uh, systems it was on. And it goes like through time, like through the whole generation of gaming, basically starting with the Commodore sixty four and the PC, the original, like first starting out PCs, and you go all the way through from that to now, and a little bit into the future. Now, I think they get go a little bit past um xbox one ps4 and they're still the pc and they i think they have started to put um vr stuff near the end of the game too and you're just trying to basically make money make sure you don't go broke like uh because when you're out of money you can't really make any games because games are expensive to make um and you get to choose like every time there's three steps to making a game uh, I don't exactly remember what those steps are, but the uh, in in each step, there's three sliders basically um, that have to deal with what goes into the game, like graphics, sound, um, story-based things, uh, other visual effects, and like you need to choose what would best go into that type of game. Like, say you're making a RPG, like, you're going to want a lot of story and a lot of quests and maybe less, like, sound and stuff towards mm -hmm. that and maybe less AI, um, like, specification. I know that'd be... I mean, everyone wants everything 
in the new games. Everybody wants <laughs> literally everything in, the, in new games. But back in the day, especially, they had to focus more on one thing because it was so expensive and there were so, uh, a lot of limitations. But, like, I remember that uh could eventually start making sports games also. And, you know... uh those, those of course, of course, sports games did well. Although I do not like sports games, they always sell well. And I remember making Call of Duty, basically, literally making Call of Duty, and it sold really well too. And <laughs> it was, it's a lot of fun. And you like level up through, uh, uh, like once you get enough money, you'll move into like a small little office studio with, you can have like four employees, and then. Eventually, when you make a couple million dollars, you can move into a bigger office space where you can have, like, up to eight employees or whatever. Um, and really just, like, create a company that makes games. And it's really awesome uh, how much they've put into it. Uh, I know the developers, it's like, this whole game went through Kickstarter, and it was really well-liked, and it's honestly a really good game if you like tycoons mm-hmm. or are interested in uh being a game dev or thinking about it. So this, uh, so this has game all... will let me make just about anything, correct? Basically. I mean, not everything is going to do well. I know, but, but... personally, I've had a couple games that do bad. So, so let's say I want to make Half-Life 3, but I want to make it like an RTS kart racer. Could I do that? Uh, Yes. It probably would not sell, but yes. I don't know. There's People like the Mario Karts. They might like a Half-Life kart racer with rts strategy elements who knows um you never know i know that i i I think the second time i played i followed a supposed guide that would say what goes best with which genre and like type of game and all that that actually somehow i did worse that playthrough than i was just going on my (laughs) own so i guess i i guess i know games pretty well but then again i in my first one i mostly made I made the games that I like to play. Like I play, I made RPG games and dungeon games and adventure games, and mm-hmm. I made the Fallout games. And the Fallout games did really well. Um, Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> and it honestly, I played through the game, whole game twice, and it takes a decent amount of time, and it's still a lot of fun. And I was gonna go back to it just because it's a, it's just fun to experiment with. Eventually, later in the game, you can actually create your own console and release games on your own console if you have enough money. And it's, yeah, it's just fun to experiment. Makes me so happy to see that. It's pr- you're still able to go out there and find some indie gems. Stuff, stuff yeah, that everyone yeah. knows about. Get a lot of entertainment out of it. But now I want to ask you about another game you've been playing. came out earlier this year, but you, you got around to finally playing it, which was uh, Rise of the Tomb Raider. The sequel to the Tomb Raider reboot from a couple years ago. How do, how does yeah, it hold up? Like, would you would you say it improves on that previous one? Um, it definitely improves on the Tomb Raider. Um, I guess legacy compared to the first the Tomb Raider that came out a couple of years ago. I'd say there's little improvements. Um, besides graphics, I wasn't really. I meant. I meant more with game thing, like yeah, things in the game it improves on. <laughs> Graphics, of course, are better because better systems and better, uh, just more time, I guess. 
uh, has has been since then, and I'd say it's not too much an improvement overall. It's basically about the same, which is fine because I love the first one and I still love this game. Um, there weren't too many problems with one for them to fix, so I guess it's not broken or anything. It's but it's also not too much of a change besides scenery um, from the first one. Okay, and have you beaten the game yet? Yes, I beat the game and I've played uh, the DLC because I what recently just came out was the 20th anniversary of uh, Tomb Raider games, mm-hmm. and that came with uh, that came with the uh, DLC for the whole game. Yeah, I, I I beat that and the DLC for it, which is the DLC is a little like small like quest line that is actually inside Laura's uh, mansion. Oh, that sounds cool. I've never been to her mansion, so I don't know what it's like. It's a uh, and it yeah, it's really cool, and I really like the backstory of it because it tells all about her parents and what happened to them. That's something that I've been meaning to get to playing, and I don't know if I will by the end of the year, but it makes me happy to hear that it's basically at least as good as the previous one, because I really enjoyed that first Tomb Raider from the, the rebooted series. Yeah, I I think this one, I take it back a little bit, because it, it did fix um, the point where the story was a little bit hard to tell what was going on in the first one. Like, you couldn't tell where Laura was coming from. She was just, like, on a trip in the first one, like a research trip, and then she got thrown into becoming Doom Raider, basically. In this one, it I I like how it, it stays true to the story of the... And it really explains a lot more than I ever knew. But then again, I didn't play the old Tomb Raider games, so... Yeah, I, I never really played the older Tomb Raider series, so I don't know how much of that carries over to the newer series. But at least I'm they're trying sure. to fill in some backstory to the the character there. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she was an orphan in that one too. And I know she was trying to like live up to her dad's name, which is true to this one. So awesome. Maybe I'm, I, I I'm never sure I get to yeah. it. I just don't know when it's going to be because there's there's so many good games coming out lately. Um, yeah, this game is definitely worth picking up for anyone who liked any of the Uncharted games or even Assassin's Creed games. It's like those because it has parkour elements to it. and It's more like Uncharted than Assassin's Creed, but it's a lot of fun. The story is really good in it if you want to pay attention to it. If you don't, the combat's pretty good. You get to use a bow like the whole time if you want, which is I'm my favorite part. Yeah, and there's a lot of history to it for uh, his- history buffs, if you like that. Um, awesome. Well, um, I don't, I'm sure our listeners know this by now, but I'm a huge, I'm a huge Pokemon buff. And as of late, like the past three months or so, I've been even into it more than I have been in the past. So I've been going out every night and playing Pokemon Go. Like, that game that people said are... <laughs> It's supposed to be dead. I've been out and playing it a lot lately. Having a good time, actually. Um, Niantic released probably a very surprising update to the game for a hot special Halloween event. And part of that event was uh, the, they increased the spawn rates for all ghost, ghost Pokemon. They were supposed to increase the spawn rate for Drowsies and Zubats too, but 
I actually saw less of those than I normally did, so... They, they, ra they raised the spawn rates of ghost Pokemon. And now there's actually more ghost Pokemon than, like, Raditas and Pidgeys in my area. And then cool. they also increased the spawn rate for, like, Meowths and Cubones, which are two things I never found. And they, they've successfully made this game feel new again. Just because I walk outside, and I'm finding completely different Pokemon than I normally would. That's good. I mean, I feel like that's what they needed. I don't, like, maybe, like, a month or maybe two or three months, like, like switch, basically, where they change out the common Pokemon. So you can actually, like, you know, fill your Pokedex without having to go legitimately out of your way. It's like, you mean I don't have to travel to California to get some stuff now? Exactly. <laughs> or Canada or wherever. Right. And um, another cool thing they did as part of the event was, uh, for the one week that was going on, for those listening, it's going on until the 1st of November, so I don't know if you'll have time to go out and play or not, but uh, you might get one day in if you didn't know about but for the like one week the event's been going on, they doubled the candy that all Pokemon give you when you catch them or hatch them and stuff like that. So I've actually gone out to my local park, which I recently uh, learned became a uh, Charmander nest with a recent update. So Charmander spawned that crazy now. And in the one week since I've gone there and done that during double candy week, I've gotten like 250 candies for Charmander. <laughs> I'm like, sweet. Got my two Charizards in the bank now. All set. <laughs> like, it, it was. It's a huge quality of life buff, I guess you could say, which just makes the game, which was very grindy before, actually quite enjoyable now. And just going out to the park, I've seen more people there playing Pokemon Go than I have since the very first week the game came out. Yeah, thank you. I will. <laughs> yes. All right, but um, yeah. So it was Bye. very refreshing to me to to see how Niantic was actually pushing through an update that was helping the game out, rather than pushing an update out which hurt the player base, which is what they've been doing for the past three months. Yeah, they've really not do been doing too many things for the fans, and I I was a little bit surprised to for the Halloween thing. I didn't know if they celebrated Halloween in Japan, or maybe they're just focusing on fans in America. Yeah. I didn't... I heard that there's a couple European countries that have started celebrating it the past couple years. But it's starting to grow into, like, a more international thing. I know Day of the Dead is probably more popular. I'm not sure if that is just Mexico, or if that's, like, all, um... Like Latin uh, and uh, South American countries, or not? Um, I wonder if that is it strictly Halloween, or is it like did they say something specifically else? Halloween and spooky Pokemon? Huh. Yeah, I've already noticed some popping up around my neighborhood, which usually are only Weedles and Rattatas. So, yeah, I, I've literally only caught like five Pidgeys. In the week this event's been going on. And it's so oh. refreshing. Because I actually get excited about finding Pidgeys now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need more Pidgeots. I'm going to be very sad when this event's over. And I have to go back to catching more Pidgeys. And Weedles. But, but, Maybe they'll take the hint. But here's, here's the thing. Now, like, 
this is the first quote unquote event for the game. And now we have more of an idea of what we may expect for future events. Like, I'm starting to think, you know, maybe they'll. I, actually, I don't think they'll do a Thanksgiving event, but what if they do like a Christmas event? And instead of double candy, they're like giving presents out to people. I don't know what would be in the presents, but there could be cool stuff. And maybe instead of increasing the spawn rate of spooky ghost Pokemon, they increase their spawn rate of like ice Pokemon. And you walk outside and you start seeing Lapras everywhere. Like, that that would be really cool. Even though it's snowing, you, you'd probably get a couple people to go out and play. Yeah, I would. I would probably, definitely, if they keep doing this, play um, more around holidays for sure. If they do that, probably, definitely, like I just. <laughs> but which is fine, you know. If there's like an event every month and a half or so, that's a good way to get people to come back between the grind. So, like, it's a, it's a thing that a lot of MMOs have been doing, but now Pokemon Go is going to start doing that route, which is which is fine because it's free to play. You don't have to pay a subscription. It works out for everyone, I feel like. Yeah, I always remember jumping on RuneScape for some reason. Like, (laughs) after not playing it for a year or more, jumping on it around Christmas time just because, (laughs) like, I don't need to get back into this game, but... RuneScape always brings me back. All the time. Yeah. (laughs) Must resist the urge to play RuneScape. Holiday events. Items. Uh, Grinding for wood. Okay. So I heard that you got to, uh, did you get to play the Sun and Moon demo, Kyle? I did get to play the Sun and Moon demo. They, uh, they released a very, re- a rather brief, like, spinoff, which is, it's not part of the actual game. This is, like, a separate event that happens before the events of the game. Uh, th- like, the, the events in the, the demo are, like, your character literally just moving to the island of Aloha, which, for those that don't know, Aloha is, like, a region based off of Hawaii. So in the new Pokemon games, which are coming out in about a month or now, actually less than that, it's like three weeks from now, you're actually like playing, you're actually going on a Pokemon adventure in Hawaii, basically. So if you wanted to go on a Hawaiian vacation this winter, consider picking up Pokemon <laughs> games. But um, it was kind of cool. So you know, you didn't get to, you didn't get any hint of the story or anything. It was just you showing up, registering that you're now living here. And it's like, here, uh, go out into this tiny little area and go experience uh, an ex- example of what, like the, what's going to be replacing the gym battles, which are the trials. Uh, so, like, instead of like, going out and fighting gyms, uh, Sun and Moon's going to focus on you going out and completing trials, which are, like, quests. They're actually, like, quests. And uh, in the demo, you have to go out and take pictures of the region's new dragon-type Pokemon, Jangma or something like that. And I then eventually, like when you snap all the pictures of all the ones in the area, uh, you like it, it leads to a totem battle, which is the new boss battle. Not a gym battle, it's like a boss battle. We have to fight a super-powered boss Pokemon called a totem Pokemon. And they'll actually like summon lesser Pokemon to fight for them during the battle. So like it's kind of like a horde encounter. Kind of hard to explain, but it's uh, it's really dynamic, quite entertaining actually. But like I don't know, there wasn't a whole Change. lot because after that it was just like it's over. You can kind of just go on the island and try to catch some of the new Pokemon, which is fun. By the way, the the new designs for the Pokemon this generation, fantastic. 
A plus. I love them all. Are you life. sure? I've there. The, there's been a leak. <laughs> I've seen the leaked <laughs> Pokemon, and I like all the new ones. However, the uh, reimagining of some of the older Pokemon, I'm not the hugest fan of. What's not to like? Don't like Garfield? Garfield. If you've ever <laughs> seen a purple cat with a balloon inflated head, Alolan Persians your uh, <laughs> your thing. I'm not a big fan. Though we'll say so, Doug Trio, fabulous. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> random. <laughs> if uh, I was I wasn't sure. Are, are all of the Pokemon then are all like the Persians basically? Are they all the Aloha form or are they only some of them? I'm not 100 sure on that yet. I want to say all the ones that you're able to catch will be that Alolan form, but I want to say that if you have a like an original form from a previous game and you transfer it in, it'll stay the original form. Ah, okay. I think that's how it's gonna work. But even though they're like different types and have different moves, I think they still count as the same Pokedex entry. Like. The Meowth and Persian line, for example, they're dark types now, instead of normals. Although they may still learn some of the same moves, because I think Meowth and Persian already learned a lot of dark type moves anyway. Yeah, they did. But there's some other, like, there's some that are more, uh, kind of more crazy, like Marowak, for example. Instead of being a ground type, he's going to be a ghost fire Pokemon. So, like, <laughs> That's... maybe he still learned some, uh... Like ground type moves, but if he's ghost and fire type, I kind of expect him to learn some fire and ghost type moves, which original Marowak doesn't learn. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle that. But uh, yeah, once uh, when that game comes out on the, I think it's November eighteenth. I'm gonna play a lot of that, a lot of that. Um, yeah. Until then, we got. Got other things to keep us preoccupied. Like I'm, I'm still gonna be playing Titanfall two for a while. And uh, Mr. Noah, Mr. Noah, I want to hear your thoughts on the new Civilization game. Yeah, it's uh, been interesting thus far. <laughs> for us, I've played. I think for us, newbies, laid out. Like, what's new? <laughs> what have you okay. learned in your time since playing it? So, if you're not familiar. Uh, Sid Meier's and our Fryaxis kind of have this philosophy of 30% rule where they keep 30, change 30, and then um, do something else with the remaining 30%. And <laughs> uh, But basically what they did is they kind of took out the um, automation out of the game. May not be the best choice of word for it, but it kind of took some of the mind-numbing part out of the mid, mid-game mid stuff and kind of made it a little bit more intentional and um, kind of added some strategy or a little bit more strategy to the game. Um, so, like, big changes are cities aren't mindless anymore. They have to be well thought out and planned. Um, so settling cities is, like, ten times more important because you don't have to worry about settling districts and other things. Um... Art style is a huge change. I know a lot of people didn't really like it, um, but I'm not really... I don't really care about it because I'm more worried about the gameplay than what it looks like. Mm -hmm. um, 
because it is a little bit more cartoonish. I don't know if you remember the console version of Civ that came out a few years ago. Oh, they like Civ like, Revolutions. It's like a spin-off of four or something. Yeah, but it kind of looks like that, which is unfortunate, you know. But ultimately, the gameplay is what makes this game great. Um, so when I was talking about how city planning is kind of like key now. Um, instead of being able to stack all your buildings on the one tile that your city takes up, you have basically have to build all your buildings on a, a specific tile now. Um, also, wonders have to be built on tiles now, so you can't just stack wonders on wonders on wonders. So they're actually a little bit more important now. Um, and builders have also been changed as well. So builders are less mindless now, or you can just set them to automate and improve everything and uh, kind of make everything as efficient as possible. They've been changed to a charge system, so each builder by default gets three charges. Um, so now when you want to build an improvement on a tile or on a resource or um, construct something, it only takes one turn. But it does take a charge off your builder, and once you use all three of those charges, you'll lose that builder. So um, it kind of speeds up building and improving, but at the same time, it kind of takes some of the mind-numbingly mid-game play from just hitting enter. And now you actually have to move around your infrastructure to keep it on top and efficient as possible. So correct me if I'm misinterpreting um, this, but it sounds like Civ 6 has a lot more focus on expanding and creating larger cities than Civ 5 had, which I think, if I remember correctly, the last Civ 5 was just kind of hunkering down and focusing on technology. Yeah, basically Civ 5 kind of, if you want to take it down to basic level, kind of focus more on foreign... Uh, I, like, you didn't really focus on your... On yourself that much is always um, you know you had to worry about what your opponents were doing basically all you were doing is selecting something and hitting enter in your one city so now you kind of look at more of a domestic approach really building an infrastructure to set you up because they've introduced a new system called districts mm -hmm. so like uh, on top of researching banks and currencies and schools, universities, uh, cathedrals, Parthenons. Um, you can't just build those from from the from the start. You have to now build districts, which are basically a uh, an improvement. So it takes up a tile. And what they do is kind of allow you to utilize the technology you research to get to that point. So say you want to find a religion, you now have to find or build a religious district, which allows you to build a Parthenon and found a religion, so then it has a, it's like a physical and visual sign showing that you are now, you know, pursuing some type of religious progression. Same with uh, universities. You have to build a scientific district, or if you want to focus on trade, you'll have to have a commerce district. Um, there's one for entertainment, so if you're going for more of a cultural route, and then there's also one for military. So it basically shows you kind of kind of gives you a telltale sign of what each city is kind of focused for. Okay. You really have to specialize now each city for 
a specific task. And obviously, as you get to late game, you might want to build a majority of the districts, or at least three districts in each city. It kind of changes, uh, it shifts the importance from mid-late game to now it's a very early game, which kind of de decides who's going to do well and how far you're going to make it, rather than in late year, later game when going to make the difference with whether or not you're going to go for domination, science, or culture. Sounds like they, you're, um, you're a big fan of the changes they've made from Civ Five. Yeah, I've, I've loved it. Um, I haven't won a game yet, but <laughs> I'm working on it. it. It is interesting, and it's really hard to kind of give you a full rundown in, in what we have time for, because we could spend hours on all the different changes and different strategies and different civs and stuff like that. What I love about Civ, so, yeah, it's such a deep game. Yeah, so like the big big bullet points if I could give you is um, combat's the same. Uh, they changed the victories. They swapped out culture for religion. Um, they still have domination, scientific, and 4-1, uh, but nobody really does that one. <laughs> um, but then <laughs> they changed social policies, which is another big thing. It's basically a second research tree now. Um, science is basically the same. Uh, the tech tree is relatively the same. Like it wouldn't look if you played a previous Civ game, you'd be able to read it pretty quickly. And yeah, uh, and then I'd say wonders aren't as important, but they still do provide bonuses. Especially considering now you have to like, put them on separate tiles. Yeah. Um, and the bonuses for the Civs aren't as a, aggressive as Civ Five were, because some of them were pretty EOP, and now they're a little bit toned down. Mm -hmm. That's exciting to hear. But overall, I'd say if you're a fan of Civ Five, and we're looking for of a more involved civilization, Civ Six is a game for you. Now, I know a lot of times uh, the, the vanilla versions of these Civilization games get criticized because it feels like there's content that should have been there, but it's not. But it sounds like oh, yeah. what you've it mentioned, can... Civ Six seems like a pretty complete package already. Yeah, it's a pretty solid, um, pretty solid game. The only thing I've noticed is there might be a lack of um, interaction with other players as far as multiplayer. So, like, I know in Civ Five, there's a big focus on, like, the UN and being able to embargo or enact certain things. Mm -hmm. So far, like, trade, they kind of changed it a little bit, and they kind of changed diplomacy a little bit to where it may not be as important, but it's still there. I don't know. Maybe they could touch that in a later later update, but as as now, it's a pretty solid game. It's worth, worth the money. Oh, my poor wallet. There's too many good games coming out right now. <laughs> um... Speaking of good games that came out recently, I know uh, me and Michael have been playing a bit of the new Gears of War game. What have you thought of? Uh, what do you think of Gears of War Four, Michael? Does it does it kind of stand I... up with the rest of the series? Is it a disappointment? Is it awesome? What would you say about it? Well, it depends on what you mean. The series. If you're talking about the does this game come we, right we, after Gears of we don't War talk Three, about and then there's nothing in between. We don't talk about judgment. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Gears of War 4 is amazing. 
it definitely reminded me a lot of Gears of War 3 and, and Gears of War 2. I didn't play the first one, but I I should have. But it's okay now. Uh, the campaign, um, definitely Gears of War campaign. A little bit less bloody than Gears of War 3. It's okay. It's just because uh, there's robots now. Yeah. They're, they're the f it's the future. Blame the robots. Um, yeah, now it's now it's all oily instead of <laughs> Um I I think the campaign was a little bit short, but I am very happy to see and say that there's definitely gonna be a Gears War five because they ended on a, a bit of a cliffhanger and there's more locusts to defeat and we know Marcus and when there's locusts to defeat he will Stang locusts don't get off my long <laughs> yeah, old man Marcus. I love old man Marcus. He, especially the the like early on when you like first meet him. I mean, you already know who he is because you're playing as the son. But like, you're going on a little mission with him, and there's like shit blowing up, and it's like ruined his farm. He gets pissed off because they're messing up his tomatoes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the biggest thing for me for Gears of War Four's campaign was just like all the characters had so much more personality than they did in the previous games. Not that like Barrett yeah. and Dom and Cole didn't have personalities, but they just played very heavily on the Macho Man kind of persona that they had. These characters, yeah. uh, like Dell and Kate, they have a bit more diversity in the and the personality that they have. Even even if you get other characters like Oscar in there. It, they just mesh really well together. They were so entertaining to listen to. Yeah, I, I agree. They they definitely worked more on that because I I think they saw that there was a lacking in that. Um, but for even if you only play Gears of War for the campaign, which I don't recommend, but even if you did only play it for the campaign, this is definitely standing up to the rest of the genre. You didn't really stick out. Story wise, but like a lot of the missions were entertaining and the characters were good, so I'd I'd recommend playing through at least one. But uh, like the other aspects, as you as you're saying, like Horde and versus, uh, what do you think of those? Like for me, Horde doesn't really change much, but it's still really good and it's still like one of the best ways to play a co-op game with other people. Yeah, I I loved playing Horde. Like I played I played Horde almost as much as I played multiplayer back in Gears War 3, and that's, so that's saying a lot, because those Horde games a long time. Right. Um, I, I think that they, they definitely went in the right direction to fix Horde, and for the better. Um, I like the way they did it, um, but I, I'm so accustomed to Gears War 3, I was, I'm a little bit biased to saying that, uh, the turret thing is weird, and there's a lot more, um, uh, I guess, like requirement for the team, I guess. Like if you're not a team as the the five of you try to survive, you're gonna lose because someone if someone spends all your points and buys something stupid <laughs> and it gets destroyed immediately, then you're out of those points. You're out, you're out of luck, basically. But if your team works together and like hunkers down, then you could definitely last all fifty waves. Um which is good because Horde definitely needs to be a, a team thing and not just five random people coming into it and trying to all survive on their own because it's not going to work. Right. Um, Definitely a blast. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Definitely a unique game mode to uh, uh, Gears games, and it 
is totally a good reason to buy the Gears games. Just for that. <laughs> and you buy Gears just for Horde, no one will no one judge you negatively. I know a lot of people, though, definitely buy it just for the multiplayer, which is another good unique. reason, I guess, just to get the game. What do you think Player of uh, so Gears of uh, versus mode? I, I like it more than Gears of War. I like it a bit more than threes, personally, but that's just because I think the slight changes to the loadouts make it a bit better, in my opinion. Just, like, taking away the Retrolancer and the Double Barrel Shotgun from the loadouts makes it flow better, in my opinion. Yeah. The, the, I, the I Retrolancer's so. still in the game, but it's like a weapon that has to be picked up on the map. You don't, you don't just starve it now. And so... Yeah. That like short to close range has a bit more diversity. You're either trying to kill people with shotguns or you're trying to kill them from medium range of lancers. So like the uh, the range of the weapons are a bit more defined now. Yeah, I think that they definitely fixed the uh, the OP weapons. I guess that you they were OP in Gears. Um, they fixed that and made everything a little bit more balanced in this game, and. It it really it plays a lot like the ne- the uh, other Gears of War multiplayer. It's just a blast from the past. Basically, haven't played a Gears game in a long time, and this is a lot of fun. I know you might be a little concerned about this, but I am happy to say that in the most recent update from like a day or two ago, they reduced the damage on the hammer burst. <laughs> that is a good thing because it it was definitely. It could down people like like two bursts or something like that. It's no longer the definitive medium range weapon in the game. The Lancer can Good. go toe to toe with it now. For those that were worried about that, that's that's been good. Like since the games come out, they've already released like two updates for the game, so they're definitely doing a pretty good job of supporting it. And I think uh I think the most recent updates adding like two more maps too for free. Yeah, if you have the season pass, um. You get, you get, the you get all the multiplayer earlier. maps for like the next like six months. Like, I think they're I think. giving away the maps for free, but if you have the season pass, you get them early, or something like that for oh, a special okay. special playlist. Yeah, that's awesome. I think uh, the first two maps were remakes from previous games, so they're not new new maps, but they're just like returns of classic maps. Yeah, that's good. I liked I like the classic maps. Overall, I've been uh, really enjoying Gears of War Four. I'll probably be uh, making a return to that, depending on how busy I get. But, like, November's going to be a crazy month. I think December things will slow down. I'll probably go back and play more Gears and play more Overwatch and stuff like that. Yeah, for people that don't know and aren't used to Gears games, um, if you do pick it up, the multiplayer is hard. And it's not as easy as playing, like, a Call of Duty. Like, people... (laughs) People that know how to play this game are very skilled at it, and it takes a while. Even for people that have played Gears of War 3 before, getting back into it after not playing for a while, it takes a bit of time. You will die. A lot. A lot. (laughs) But honestly, I think Gears of War 4 is probably a great time to get into the series, just because the campaign has a very good introduction to everything that goes on in the series. Especially with that prologue mission. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the multiplayer is accessible enough to where you might be able to get in, uh, get a hang of the thing. What, what's going on? 
no guarantee because like like I said it's a it's a hard series the multiplayer is very unforgiving if you don't like understand the flow of the game yeah and it has dedicated fans from all the way back from gears one that <laughs> will, will understand like they know exactly how to do everything in the game and can it's crazy basically legacy players are scary yeah uh, before we move on to any of the news that we haven't talked about since the last episode, um, let's just talk about Rocket League, because I know that's one that we always like to go back to from time to time. I think last time, well, since the last time we've talked about Rocket League, there was a big update where they included a new game mode. I forget what it was called now, but it was that game mode where uh, you would randomly acquire like a, an ability every minute or so, and it just completely changed like the pace of the game for that game mode specifically. Remember that one? Uh, I think it was called. Is uh, like Battle Brawl. I, I, I think it was called Brawl, and I, I think yeah, you got an ability like every like ten seconds, fifteen seconds after you used yours, and it really drastically can change the uh, um, like the style of the game that just, you play. Just a little and bit. Just a little bit. People were getting like as the days went on. People were getting really good at using that those abilities, and it I hate, got I hate that box crazy. <laughs> yeah, but uh, overall, what did you guys think of that game mode? Like, it really did change the way the entire Rocket League was played, at least for the little bit when it was new. Yeah, it kind of gave me a arcade game feel. I, uh, I liked yeah. it. I think that it, uh, it was something needed for the people that aren't amazing at Rocket League, and they like they can't do all those flying tricks and like cross map plays and all the saves uh, from the goal and stuff. So I think I think it definitely makes it more fun for the people that don't have as much skill as the other people. Yeah, it kind of lies gameplay a little bit because it was random it was, yeah. yeah i would just like to say though like if you're someone that hasn't picked up if you haven't picked up rocket league yet do yourself a favor pick it up it's like 10 15 bucks on playstation xbox one and pc and it's such a blast to play anybody can they also in. just it's added so the aqua dome yeah they uh they added the new map and uh some new car models the game new skins I also think they dropped the third crate. They had two crates. Now I think they're on their third. I didn't hear about that. So, like, you know, uh, if you're not familiar, uh, League, Rocket League added a crate system similar to uh, CSGO or CS in general. But uh, you are awarded crates for playing randomly as a reward after a game, and then you can buy keys for like a dollar or whatever. And then basically in each crate is labeled as a different crate, so like they had crate 1 and 2, and now they've added crate 3. And basically get uh, skins or toppers or wheels or car models. I believe they just added a third. They might even be on their fourth crate. I'm normally not a fan of the microtransaction that, that microtransaction. No, it's pretty gross. The way Psionic uh, has been handling the league and just supporting the game has been such a joy to see. 
they're one of the few developers that I don't feel bad for supporting after the release of the game. They're already buying the game. Because, I mean, they give you free maps and game modes. So. Yeah, they give you a lot of free that's stuff. All, that's all gameplay related and not really... Everything that you buy in the game is mostly cosmetic. In fact, it's all cosmetic. That doesn't actually affect the game negatively at all. The way uh, more developers should be handling DLC, in my opinion. Well, I mean, Titanfall 2 did a big, big move. Yeah, that that's like one of the big reasons why I actually decided to buy the game. They they uh, they announced that uh, all future maps be free, and there's going to be no season pass. I was like, oh man, right on. Which is EA. huge. EA's I mean, notorious for being one of the worst when it comes to DLC, and now they're like in a big one eighty. Because like even in Battlefield One, I believe they have they have chests, battle packs, or something like that, but you can't buy them with real money. Which is really surprising, um, considering that that would be a gold mine right there. Because, like, the last game I can think of that didn't really have DLC or season pass was Grand Theft Auto V, which they kind of have a microtransaction system, kind of don't. But, you can spend real money to get in game currency, though. Right, you can also earn it. So. How much of a grind is it, though? It is pretty big grind. Uh, but <laughs> regardless, <laughs> Titanfall Two, good guys, no DLC. Well, I mean DLC, but it's free and no season pass. It's not very offensive. Yeah, <laughs> it's sad that we have to talk about DLC as being offensive nowadays. Right, and pre-order <laughs> bonuses. Those are gross. <sighs> Stop doing this. You're gonna be starting Bethesda right now. <laughs> I don't know if I have a note in here or not, but uh, we, we kind of backtracked a little bit, but it's okay. Okay, I do, I do have a note of it later. We we can talk about that in a bit. Uh, let's talk about some some news. We have a. Uh, it's been two months since we done an episode, but uh, we're not going to talk Ooh. about two months worth of news specifically. We're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna touch on some of the bigger points. But uh, don't don't worry about that too much. But uh, some of the big ones I want to talk about include uh, Nintendo, Ubisoft, and some other companies. Like as far as Nintendo goes. They announced a sort of partnership with Apple. And they're actually going to be releasing like an Apple exclusive Mario game later this year, I believe. For like iPhones and iPads and stuff like that. That was that was cool. And it looks like it's a like a full fledged Mario 2D platformer, so that's that's cool. I think yeah. Sorry. They also mentioned it's a possibility it's coming to Android as well later. I would imagine, but at least Apple this year, and then maybe Android next year. Can't say I'd complain too much about being able to play Mario on the go. And uh, speaking of on the go, that's like right there. <laughs> uh, we we finally got confirmation on what the Nintendo NX is, and they've announced that the name of the system is the Switch. They included like a three-minute trailer, kind of showcasing what it looks like, what you can do with it, and kind of hinting at some of the games you might be able to expect from the system in the near future. Um, I want to get your guys' opinions on the Switch, because it's not just a console. It's actually like a, a console handheld hybrid that comes with a docking station, so you can dock it, and it'll 
play you build play your games on a TV, just like a console. You can plug in a controller and play like normal. But it has like these detachable controllers, so you can put these like mini controllers on the side of the console and then take it out of the station, and it acts like a tablet with controllers on the side. And you get to play your full-fledged games like The Legend of Zelda or Mario on the go. Uh, first impressions from you guys? Uh, do you think this is going to be a big thing, or do you think it's kind of just going to be a gimmick that no one really cares about? Uh, first impression, gimmicky. Second impression, it's under $250. I'll probably pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Kind of how I feel. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that, that it's cool, but depends on the battery life, I guess, of the, yeah. the yeah. gamepad. I think the rumor was three hours. I yeah, I don't I don't know exactly doesn't um, seem very practical. Yeah. Situations they were trying to sell it for. Here's, here's I'm definitely not um, going to get it right away, but I'm I'm also I'll definitely keep an eye on it if it if the news gets better. Like the way I, I think they said it, January is the next info oh, yeah, drop yeah. for they're it. Gonna, they're going to do an info drop on like January, which I think is when they'll announce the like launch date titles. Because as far as I know, the only one that's confirmed is uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Everything else is just like, it might be there, who knows. But uh, the, the way I look at this console is... Rather than looking at it as like an extension of the Wii family and Nintendo's home console market, I'm viewing this more as an extension of the mobile platform that they have. Which in my opinion the... has been the stronger, uh, demo stronger lineup they've had. Which it would be a def oh sorry. No, go ahead. I want to hear what you want to say before I it would be a definite buy if it played Nintendo DS games. Yes. Um as far as I know though, it's been confirmed that it doesn't play DS or three DS cartridges. That kills it. And it's not backwards compatible with Wii U. So they're trying to start fresh here. And it kind of disappointed here, like, especially considering in the trailer they confirmed that it's a cartridge-based system, so it will take games a lot like the way the 3DS or uh, even the old Nintendo 64 used to, but they're they're smaller. They're like SD card sized, right? Which, in my opinion, makes a lot more sense than the, like the Blu-rays that modern consoles are using, just because you know they're more durable, and you could probably hold more space on the compact size. Because like the way uh, yeah, I just memory sticks are been nowadays, it's pretty easy. I have like, a 64 on them. And I don't have a DS. If I could buy a Switch that ran DS games and lack for a better word, Wii games, I would definitely pick it up. Mm -hmm. No question. The the big question mark is whether or not the digital versions will be backwards compatible. They haven't. I don't well, think. I don't think they've confirmed or denied whether or not digital versions will be compatible. But I, I don't know too many people that buy digital versions of Nintendo games just because the way they handle that's pretty bad. They're not tied to an account. They're yeah. Tied to a <laughs> it's, so it's, it's one awful. of those situations where it's like, yeah, I bought a digital version of Splatoon, but then my Wii U broke. Now I don't have Splatoon. I can't just move over to a new Wii U because I had to go like through their support process to get it reinstated to me. 
kind of a pain, but like if they're able to like re like update their online system and get it more in line with the like Xbox or the PlayStation, the system could be quite good. Um, as far as like the mobility of it goes, I don't think I would ever be like the guy in the trailer and be like, I'm going to take my dog for a walk and then I'm going to go sit in the park with my switch. Yeah. And like internet limitations and power limitations. And like, I don't know if I'd ever do that. I'm not sure. And like, if I'm sitting there and my friends across the outside are pressure me to go outside and be social with them at a barbecue. I don't think I'd bring my switch either. <laughs> but, um, what I would do though, is if I'm like sitting in a car for like 10 hours on a trip or something, if I could just kill three of those 10 hours playing legend of Zelda, I totally would. Or if I'm up in a plane, I would kill like half my plane flight, just playing legend of Zelda or Skyrim. Like, that seems pretty cool to me. And if they can get the price point for this system down, I'll happily buy into it so I can play all the Nintendo first-party titles. But, uh, I think they did announce a lineup of third-party tar- uh, third-party developers that are going to be creating games for them for at least a little while. Uh, just to name some of the bigger publishers that are going to be part of this, uh, part of this Switch at first includes Activision... Bandai Namco, Bethesda, Capcom, EA, Epic Games. From Software was listed on there, so I don't know if that means we're going to get like Dark Souls ports to the system or if that means something else. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> Dark- I'm going to play Switch Dark Souls edition. on my Nintendo Switch. And then there's also like Konami, um, Sega, Square Enix, Telltale, THQ, Ubisoft. Warner Brothers, like there's some big names that are jumping in on that Switch, and it kind of makes sense. I mean, granted, the Wii U had a lot of third-party support at first, but then that died off pretty quickly. I don't think the Switch is going to have that same issue, just because the Switch's gimmick of being able to move your console really easily doesn't actually affect the way the games are created much. Like, for a third-party developer to create a game for the Wii U... And the Xbox One was different. Just because the Wii U had that extra screen there. So you had to add like a secondary screen support for your title. And that's not easy. But the Switch is designed to work off a single screen. Just like any other game. And it's running NVIDIA technology. So if a company is able to create their games using uh, NVIDIA hardware... You can create for the Switch. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. I think the third party uh, support's going to be a lot better of the Switch than it was for the Wii U or even the Wii. I was just worried to see because it looked very small, unless they're hiding like another box somewhere. Is hardware limitations right? Because like on the go, all you have is the uh, the gamepad, which isn't very large. Unless they're packing like a mm, minimized 1080 in there. <laughs> Probably not. I think the way it's going to work is um, I don't know how powerful the hardware is exactly, but I think what they can do is they can have it be like a really powerful, well, not very powerful, but a pretty moderately powerful console that can target like 1080p 60 
But then if it's on the go and it's running off of battery power, they can underclock it and lower the resolution to like 720p, 30 FPS or something like that to try to preserve that battery life. That's that's always an option. And uh, I'm kind of thankful that um, actually I think Nintendo got kind of lucky with the way the other uh, developers are handling consoles. Could you imagine in a world where they announced this and we're like, okay, it's not very powerful, but you know, Nintendo's all about gameplay first and developers don't have to do too much to uh, adapt to it, except for the fact that maybe if there was no PlayStation 4.5 or Scorpio coming, we're sitting here thinking, oh no, Nintendo just released a new console, but we're like a year and a half away from brand new Xboxes and Playstations. Like what, are developers going to continue to support this with that big of a jump, a hardware jump? I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem because we're still, they still have to support the vanilla Xbox One and vanilla PlayStation. So I think Nintendo got a bit lucky there. Yeah, because both companies kind of moved to like this range of hardware rather than uh, sticking with one one version of their systems. So they like have a family or ecosystem rather than just a, a single piece of tech. Right. Uh, I want to get your guys' opinion on the games that they were showing off as part of the Switch. Everyone knew they were going to be like, hey, the new Zelda, get it for the new Zelda. But then they also showed Skyrim, and they actually like had that be the big focus. They got more footage of Skyrim than Zelda. What did you think of that? Like, I think they were just trying to show, hey, we're a console. We play games. It's, is it concerning at all that they're trying to use a five-year-old game as like the flagship thing to showcase your new hardware? I think that they were like. I think that it was because there's like controversy over the um, Skyrim. Not was this? I'm pretty sure Skyrim wasn't for the Wii, was it? I don't think so. Yeah, I think I think that's why because there was controversy that it wasn't for that other system and now with the reboot that just came out i think they want to be like hey look our our system that used to not be able to support skyrim you can now play skyrim and games like that on this system which also helps support breath of the wild being more open world so i feel like they just want to be like look we can actually have these genres of games that we didn't have before hmm my two cents on the matter is is that that it's like oh it's showcasing an old game maybe it's not a very powerful console it's more that it they're they're showcasing a very recognizable game a game that's typically associated more with core gamers which have been a bit alienated by Nintendo as of the last couple of generations so I think this is them trying to appeal more to that core gamer because I don't know if you guys noticed but in the Switch trailer there was not a single kid. No kids. That's true. No families. It was very much a, hey, I'm playing games by myself. I can now take it with me if I need to go somewhere because of adult responsibilities. Or if I'm just going to go out and be social with my friends, I can have them like split screen NBA 2K, whatever. Play with the world's to... smallest controllers. Yeah. They're just trying I'm not, to not, I'm not make a fan fun of, of uh... They just don't want to make fun of um all of the 20 and 30 olds um, that play Mario and 
Zelda all the time, like... I'm gonna be like a 30-year-old that plays Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind <laughs> yeah, of hard like, to break, break the, kind of the culture around it, because it's always been the, heavily associated the family with... family-friendly console. Right, yeah. like casual, casual console. Like, let's go play Wii Bowling. Oh boy. Because that's fun. But no, I think they're trying to, like, make it an actual console and say, like, hey, this game is uh, a game that runs on our competitors' consoles and now it runs on ours. Right. So maybe we have some other games, like this game, that runs on our console as well. To me, the Switch is... And the most straightforward console that Nintendo has released since the GameCube. That makes me very happy. Yeah, probably. I, I will probably um, and no, I, one obviously one, depending on how much it costs. Because if they can keep it under three hundred, I'll probably get one. Yeah, that's that's a reasonable. And like, obviously, they didn't show like Call of Duty or anything like that because it's been bad taste. In people's mouths when they've tried to put those games on the console. I mean, they they did announce that Activision's part of their third publishing, uh, third party publishing deal. I'm going to assume that means like like next year's Call of Duty will be on the Switch, not not necessarily Infinite Warfare, but like whatever next year's Call of Duty. I don't know what else they would want on there. Yeah, I don't know. Unless they're going to be like because it's really hard to break break out of the stereotype. Especially when it's evolved around tech and culture is a big thing about it because they're trying to break free of the casual gamer market and into more of a core gamer situation. Definitely going to be uh, keeping an eye on the Switch. And uh, like like we said earlier, there's going to be uh, more news about it sometime in January, I believe. So uh, I think that's when they'll announce more of the games we can expect. It's like uh, just kind of speculation. In the trailer, they did show something Mario related that was not part of any existing Mario game. So we don't know if that was like teasing a new Mario game or that was just a tech demo. And they also showed a bit of Mario Kart. But again, like they were showing the footage included things that were not part of an existing Mario Kart game. So no one knows if that's like a special Switch version of Mario Kart 7 or if it's like a tease at Mario Kart 8. So there's a lot of speculation going on like what these games actually were or if they're just like... Mario Kart 9. Like are they new Mario Karts or they're just like special exclusive to the Switch version of a pre-existing game. Well, I guess we'll we'll know more about that uh, in a couple months. Um, January. I'm actually very happy that they decided to hold the announcement of this until quite shortly before the actual release of the system. Like, this thing's coming out in like five months. Like, boom. Get your wallets ready. Five months. And not a holiday season at that, too. It's not a holiday season. Which I think is pretty smart because once next year's holidays start running start coming around the switch will be over a half a year by then and that's when you can start being like hey we're gonna lower the price for this get it while it's on sale for your family you know like that's you can afford to do that at that point just bring in a whole new audience 
But yeah, that, that's uh, that's the Switch, formerly known as the NX. And those brand new handheld console hybrid. <laughs> let's, um, let's move on to a couple of Ubisoft related topics I have here. Uh, sad news. South Park, the fractured butthole, get delayed until the first quarter of next year. Very sad about that. I was quite looking forward to that game. But now I'll have to play one of I the, still uh, am. I'll have to play one of the other, like, six awesome games coming out later this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, my wallet's kind of happy about this, but I'm kind of sad about it at the same time. Um, interestingly... Ubisoft opened up a book publishing house to create books based off of their brands. I think I'm the, happy about this. I think the first thing they're releasing is called the uh, the Assassin's Creed Essential Guide. I'm in November. I'm not really sure what it's going to be about, but like, you know, like novels based off Assassin's Creed or aren't yeah Tom Clancy. Is a a book series. He he's an author, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he like, has a line of books. So are they going to be publishing Tom Clancy's books now? I don't um, know. <laughs> he's It'll probably be Ubisoft a- Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six Seven. <laughs> Rainbow Six Siege. <laughs> I think he's a little bit too. I mean, he's a really well-known author. Yes. But maybe. He may not be writing for them right away, at least. But if they could get him is, is or someone, uh, some other good artist, I don't think he writes I mean, anymore. Does he? authors? I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> I think weird. all of his books are done, and he's just making money off video games now. Maybe he is. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was kind of interesting because I'm like, are there people out there that want to read like Watchdog the book or something? Watchdog novel. If or... you, if they could make the story. Ironic. <laughs> right? <laughs> a book about technology. <laughs> um, if they could make the story better. Well, a book is always a pleasure. I'd love to read some of them. I would read Assassin's Creed books. I mean, especially like if they told all of um, Altair's. Like if I would we, love if to we read can make that. an Assassin's Creed book that's a lot like Ready Player One, I'm, I'm told. Like Da Vinci Code style. Da Vinci Code style, yeah. That, that would be cool. Uh, one last bit of Ubisoft related news. For those that are fans of classic like adventure games, well not classic adventure games, but like the uh, the 3D adventure games. Long awaited news that Ubisoft is still working on a Beyond Good and Evil game has surfaced and they confirmed that uh, Michael Ansel is working on New Beyond Good and Evil game. They have not confirmed whether or not that means that they're still working on Beyond Good and Evil 2, or if they're now working on like a remake or a prequel or something else related to the game. But this is something that they've been apparently working on for like nine years now. They first announced the game back in like 2008. And they're only just now being like, yeah, we're working on it again. It was on the back burner. Now it's now working on it. Again. So, for those that have been waiting for that game for a while, it's a uh, sort of official now. Uh, okay. This is uh, this is cool. We don't normally talk about people that work in the industry that much, 
but I kind of wanted to bring this up because I think it was really cool. But um, former GameSpot editor Danny O'Dwyer left GameSpot and took to Patreon to get a series of documentaries based on game development funded and did so successfully. And now he started a series called Noclip, which will be bringing documentaries on video game development to YouTube in the very near future. I believe his first major documentary is a two-part series on the development of Rocket League. And that's supposed to be coming out in a week or two, I believe. At least the first part. <clears throat> Pretty interesting, actually. He has, had, uh, he has the first trailer. He has a trailer for the first part on his YouTube already. Uh, you can search it by going to patreon.com or slash Daniel Dwyer to find more information on becoming a patron or seeing any of the content he's been able to produce thanks to the humble patrons over there. So that's good stuff. He's a, He's been making like documentaries for GameSpot for a while, and they're always incredibly high quality. I just kind of wanted to bring that up because I think it's a... It was a big risk he took leaving a comfy position at GameSpot to make documentaries funded by people that are just interested in seeing that kind of stuff. That's cool. Um, and, and I was talking about this a little bit earlier. I'm not very happy about it, but Bethesda announced a brand new policy of theirs in which they will no longer be giving out review copies of games until one day before the release. This is a, a culture shift back to the good old days. It's a good for, old days. You're going in blind. For DLC oh. and pre-order bonuses. Are they... Did they give reasoning? They, they did. I'm going to read it for you. <clears throat> At Bethesda, we value media reviews. We read them. We watch them. We try to learn from them when they offer critique. And we understand their values to our players. Earlier this year, we released Doom. We sent review copies to arrive the day before launch, which led to speculation about the quality of the game. Since then, Doom has emerged as a critical and commercial hit, and now one of the biggest and highest rated shooters of the past few years. With the upcoming launches of Skyrim Special Edition and Dishonored 2, we will continue our policy of sending media review copies one day before release. While we continue to work with media, streamers, and YouTubers to support their coverage, both before and after release, we want everyone, including those in the media, to experience our games at the same time. We also understand that some of you want to read reviews before you make your decision, and if that's the case, we encourage you to wait for your favorite reviewer to share their thoughts. There's a couple of really interesting things in there I'd like to highlight. Uh, the, the big one being because Doom managed to get we, we got lucky with Doom and it was a popular game we're going to keep doing this based off of like one, one sample I, yeah <laughs> if I was if I, I would be a lot more critical about this if it was anyone but Bethesda that, that almost makes it worse because Bethesda has a bit of a history at least with their with at least with the games they develop being unusually buggy. True. But, um, I, I, I do agree with that, but they are the one game company that I'm always like, it's Bethesda, 
I think I can trust them that they're going to make a good game. Every other company, That's what they're I'm on. normally a little bit sketchy. Yeah, I mean, it's putting a lot of faith in Bethesda, and honestly, it's probably going to bite them in the butt eventually. And not saying it won't. Uh, I just think that if it was any other company, I'd be more critical. Mm-hmm. It was like Activision. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Bethesda has a good reputation. For now. For making good games, or at least making good games eventually. We'll have to see how um, the Skyrim Special Edition and uh, Dishonored 2 go as far as that having any review copies being sent out. The, uh, the other, I other mean, part of this I wanted to mention was uh, they had a line here saying that we will continue to work with media, streamers, and YouTubers to support their coverage before and after release. Which, to me, says we're not going to send out review copies for like IGN and GameSpot, but we're still going to send copies of the game to YouTubers and streamers so that they can play the game early and stream them and play, make videos for them early. Because they don't necessarily critique the game, they just go in and have a good time, regardless. Which I like, because, I mean, it's so hard to trust IGN and them anymore, because there's a good chance that a company is going to just be like, hey, IGN, we'll give you this much money, just give us a review over 8, or over 9, or whatever. And they're like, okay. <laughs> I, I mean, It's not to say that I, that's I just, still what happened, but... Now we won't know that happens until after release. I just I don't trust it. I think uh, I think either way, no matter how you look at this, this is kind of a bad thing for the consumer. Unless you're like super stingy and not having any spoilers before they release the game, but still, it's like it's your responsibility to be an informed consumer, if you, uh, an informed buyer. And Bethesda's kind of taken away your ability to be an informed buyer before the games come out. Unless, of course, you want to look at the line where they said, if you want to look at reviews, then you can just wait to buy our stuff. You don't have to buy it, even though we're going to punish you for not pre-ordering. I wonder with those with if they're still going to be doing the same thing with pre-orders. Do you know what the one of the pre-order bonuses for Dishonored 2 is? What? You get the I... game early. So really? Essentially, <laughs> if you pre-order Dishonored 2, you get reviewer access. You could look at it that way. Well, wouldn't, it te- wouldn't they technically put the embargo on the day before the earliest point of access? Well, here's the thing, Log. I don't think they're putting an embargo on. At least, if they are, they haven't said anything about it. So there's not really anything stopping like IGN or GameSpot from getting the game the day before and doing a first impressions article on it or a uh, review in progress kind of thing. I just think it's because like technically it depends on when like the release what they count the release date is. Yeah, because it's interesting because like like I said, they are doing a thing where if you pre-order the game, if you pre-order Dishonored you get a day early so does that mean like if it comes out on the 11th if you just buy the game on the 10th you should buy it you should, you should play it doesn't that mean that uh, it comes out on the 10th if you pre-order it on the 10th because if you buy it on the 11th it's kind of interesting it's like interesting to see how they shifted pre-order bonuses over the past couple of years 
Interesting, yeah. I'm not a big fan of the move, but uh, from a business perspective, I understand why they're doing it. It's like it used to be like ex- exclusive content you couldn't get after, then people got mad, so now it turned into exclusive content that was like viable after a certain date. Right. And people got mad again. So then it was like exclusive content that purely cosmetic and then swapped it back and forth a couple times. Now the new trend is getting early access by like three days. What EA's been doing. You could buy uh, the uh, Origin Access thing or whatever they have. Five bucks and you get uh, Battlefield 1 like a week early. I don't know. But if anything, they're just like making a more aggressive timeline for deciding to purchase a game or not. Right. I will say, though, the, per- the people that benefit from this the most, other than Bethesda themselves, are like up-and-coming reviewers. Those that want to try to make a name for themselves as a reviewer. Because before, if you weren't one of the big guys, well, too bad you didn't get a review copy, and now IGN and GameSpot get the reviews out like a week before the game comes out. People already know what to expect, so they don't go out and find more reviews. But now, you're able to get your reviews out like the same day as the big guys. So that's, that's something, I guess. Or it could, smaller chance, but could hurt launch sales, but then push like the spike of sales a week or two into launch date. So it's like a, a launch week rather than a launch day. I think it's also why we're seeing a shift to more Friday releases than Tuesday releases. People are more yeah, willing is, to go out and buy something day one if it's on a Friday than a Tuesday. At least I think Some guy in marketing decided it was a good idea. <laughs> so like, let's switch it to Friday. We'll switch it to Friday. Yeah, and everybody uh, else is like, oh, they switched to Friday? We should switch to Friday. Every game is coming out Friday this this year. It's ridiculous. And anyway, um, the real quick. That, Sorry, that's that. Yeah, did you have any other thoughts on that? I just, I don't know. Either pushes the sales back a little bit, or you're going to get a lot of unhappy people because they're in misinformed. You might have a repeat of No Man's Sky. Ooh, I bet. Yeah. By the game. I guess we we won't really know how well it works out for Bethesda until Dishonored 2 sales come through. But uh, I'm willing to bet this is not even related to the, the policy they announced, but I'm willing to bet that Dishonored 2 isn't going to sell as well as they think it is. Because uh, Bethesda's been Probably treating Dishonored 2 as a super big deal, and like everyone's going to go and play it like it's new Skyrim. And I'm like, it was it's Dishonored 2. Like, Dishonored 1 was a pretty decent game, but it was, for the most part, a sleeper hit. I don't think, Bethesda, I don't think uh, the second one's going to be a huge seller. Oh, well. We'll, we'll, get, I, we'll I know in a couple weeks. Yeah, I don't think it'll do much better than the first one. That, or it won't be a big launch title, but it'll be picked up, like, kind of like can't win. It's a great game thing. for, uh, like, sales. I don't think Bethesda wants the game to be sold during sales more, rather than being a launch. 
Anyway, moving on from that topic, uh, we got a couple of other miscellaneous things to talk about. Uh, one I thought was kind of interesting was that the uh, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers organization has picked up two North American esports organizations. Uh, the first one being Dignitas, and the second one being Apex Esports. So, uh, this, is, this is another example of the NBA getting involved in esports. Because we already have Shaquille O'Neal and uh, well, the, uh, the owner of Echo Fox, Rick Fox. Rick Fox and Shaquille O'Neal are involved in esports now as well. Shaquille? Wait, Shaq is? What did he do? I want to say he is like a part owner of Energy. Oh, I thought he started oh. his own team called Shazam. <laughs> That's, <laughs> the <next step. laughs> That's the next step. <laughs> they need to change their name. <laughs> Energy now known as Shazam. But that was uh, just interesting. Esports is growing. More money is getting thrown into the, uh, the scene. And uh, we got a couple of video game movies in the works. The... Ooh, disappointment. <laughs> disappointment. Uh, the first one, well, actually... The, the um, Warcraft movie wasn't too bad. It was pretty decent. I know some Warcraft buffs hated it, but I'm like, it was entertaining as a popcorn flick. I watched it. But uh, one of the news articles includes the fact that the indie game Firewatch is getting a movie. Which is really bizarre, because I didn't think people would be excited for a Firewatch movie, and I don't think anyone actually is excited for a Firewatch movie. A movie like, about watching something. Yeah, uh, I actually like the game I never, a lot, but um, I wouldn't say it's movie material. How are they going to do? They be live action art. I don't know. Like, the the game itself had a very colorful, like animated look to it, so it worked. Better animation than an animated movie, I think, but I just don't know. There, there's like no details. About it. it was just like, yeah, we're uh, we're, make, we're making a script for a Firewatch movie. I'm like, oh, okay. But oh, the, uh, cool. The other movie I wanted to talk about has a lot more potential, I feel like, and that's the uh, fact that the Gears of War movie has actually entered pre-production. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. That I think it went into pre-production. As in, they're actually like, we're gonna get. A cast of people together, and we're gonna actually start hiring people for the the project. Any details? Marcus. If, who would play Marcus Phoenix? I have no idea. I they need like super buff guys, and uh, who's the guy who played Hellboy? Uh, Ron Perlman. He could be a Marcus, couldn't he? Or is he too old? He's a bit up there, but he could be like one of the sergeants um, or something. Yeah, he could definitely do that with his uh, his face would definitely work. Um, the what's the guy's name? Oh, are you talking about the uh, the guy that's like the squad leader, whatever his name is? Yeah, with the white hair at the end. I don't remember. Uh, you lost me. But I know the uh. Um, who's that guy who basically looked like Coltrane? He was at like 
something with Gears of War three, and it was I can't. It was that like it, mean, it's it's a famous actor, but he uh I'm sure, I'm he sure was at like uh, that, like Coltrane pretty easily. Oh, for sure. He, he it, I mean, like, it his depends voice on... doesn't like stand out to me quite the same way like Marcus Phoenix's voice would. Yeah. There's no details on like if it's gonna be like before the. All we know is it's uh, being produced by Universal. Yeah. That's that's really all we know. I will say though, I think somehow they need to find a way to get Dwayne the Rock Johnson involved with this. I was thinking that too. <laughs> he, he's fitted pretty. So he's, I don't know. Who, I don't know Marcus who he has like would a, play. Has like a rocker meat square face though. <laughs> yeah. In before they just CGI all the faces. And they also really need, like, this movie has to be rated R. And oh. it has to have a ton of blood. It has to. Oh my it god. They don't basically need needs to be by Quentin Tarantino. I mean, come on. They blow people up into chunks in the game. There's no way it's going to be PG 13. They have chainsaws I mean, at the end of their guns. I'm just saying. I, I just hope they don't mess it up and, like, you know, softball Hollywood, it here. Hollywood would mess it up. You gotta make it friendly, because, you know, kids play the video game, so we gotta make it kid-friendly. <laughs> Please, no. No, I want to see blood and guts and dismemberment. I, I just want to so. see the screen get splashed red from chainsaws. A lot. Like, it needs to happen a lot. Like, you know the, the Saw franchise? The horror franchise? Get some inspiration from that, okay? <laughs> Let's do that. Quentin Tarantino needs to be directing a... I'd be okay with that. Well, I mean... Not the story, just the, just the. There's a story. The story no of it. He doesn't. Someone else do the story, please. Produce. Do Michael Zachary Bay Parker. meets Quentin Tarantino? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of possibilities for this. I feel like, but uh, we're probably over a year away from getting any concrete details. And that's if the project is still alive at that point. I don't know if there's a huge demand for a Gears of War movie or not. I'd rather see a Halo movie, personally. True, true that. I think, it's, I think it's an easier thing to sell, too. We won't know for a while. We Bigger fan base. Bigger fan base. Other Microsoft-related news includes the announcement of a new VR headset specifically designed for Windows 10 starting as low as $299. I mean, I don't have to spend $3,000 on this is headset. like half the price of a Vive or a Oculus Rift. I don't think... That'd be interesting. I don't think it's going to be as technologically advanced as those two headsets, but it's a right. cheap alternative. If they incorporate Connect at some point, or at all, Surprise! They could have something here. The Connect was made for VR headsets. I swear. Yeah, it's like uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw those. Uh, what were they called? I messed with one of them at a hackathon. Shoot, like a little IR hand sensor, and I can't think of the name now. For a Microsoft thing? No, it was a uh, is a separate company. Oh, then I, I'm not sure. It's like a little rectangle square. Elite motion. There you go. Elite motion. 
Yeah. Okay. It's like a bigger, better version of Elite Motion. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I yeah, still, integration. I still haven't had uh, the opportunity to get my hands on any VR, so I don't really know how I feel about the whole VR motion yet. Because I, I assume it's going to be pretty similar to PSVR, because it's just I, a I headset. I want to say it's just going to be a PSVR, maybe not quite as well made, but like same concept where it's pretty bare bones. Like maybe there'll be like a hand device that goes with it, but it's not going to be like room scale like the uh, the Vive or anything like. Because what I understand from PSVR right now is just head motion. Um, PSVR. Yeah, PSVR is like yeah. head motion, and if you have the the uh, oh, what are those things called? The the, the hand things, the the nunchucks. PlayStation Move. That's I don't know. What they're if you have the PlayStation Move, it'll like sense that, so that if you need to make like a hand punching motion, you can. That's ah. it. So it's still pretty bare bones. Like we're, I'd say we're we're in the first generation of VR. Once we start yeah. getting into like the second and third generation of VR, that's when I'm gonna start getting really excited for it. Right now, it's like it's uh, rumors of the wireless Oculus. That would be interesting. Because right now, there's a lot of wires involved with VR. <laughs> <laughs> Get yourself tangled up in that. That's that's interesting. Uh, I think more VR competition is good for everyone. You don't you don't need a Vive and Oculus just kind of settle in and being like, yeah, we're in a good spot. We're just gonna keep doing what we're doing. Now this is gonna try to push hey, these companies to, uh, to innovate. Okay, um, moving on from there. Uh, game announcement: Wasteland Three has been announced and it will feature co-op. For those that do not know what Wasteland is. Uh, I would describe Wasteland as the OG Fallout. Before <laughs> Fallout, there was Wasteland. And then once Fallout took off, Wasteland kind of was in limbo for a while, but it got revived just a couple of years ago with the uh, Wasteland 2 being funded through Kickstarter, I believe. And now Wasteland 3 is also being funded through Kickstarter and actually has like a teaser trailer out, which looked pretty cool. Like um, Fallout's embraced more of the first-person action RPG feel, but I think Wasteland is still that great alternative for those that like the more classic RPG feels. More number-based, more like Dungeons & Dragons-y kind of feeling to the to the games. So that there's that option there. It's pretty cool that they're continuously going through Kickstarter and the fans are continuously funding these games that they love. And uh, speaking of games that people just absolutely love... No Man's Sky, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> That's just so funny. Um, so people were, you know, people get angry and say stuff like, "This is a, this is clearly advertising fraud or misleading advertisements." Blah 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 blah. A lot of people said that same thing about No Man's Sky. It turns out the Advertising Standards actually launched an investigation into No Man's Sky's advertisements. And if they see what people are suspecting they may see, they may actually force No Man's Sky to pull down pre-existing trailers and try to create new promotional information for the game. So that's, uh, that's, that's funny. No Man's Sky's history of just not 
doing things right. It's continuing. I, I, these guys, can't, I mean, they can't catch a break. With the that tweet that came out, oh my god, a little I, while I ago, I forgot to mention that tweet. <laughs> that was, I just the fact that <laughs> that happens was says so much. About I this don't know right if it, has it been cleared as a legitimate tweet yet. It hasn't been cleared as a legitimate tweet, but uh, for, for those that are not in the know, uh, ever since the game has come out. That is No Man's Sky. Hello Games, the developer, has gone completely radio silent. They have not been on Twitter. They have not been communicating. They just, they've just been very quiet, silently working. Possibly. like We don't really know what they're doing. They're just like quiet. They're not, nothing's been coming out of that camp. Until recently, on Twitter, from the official Hello Games Twitter page, um, a simple little tweet came out that said, no Man's Sky was a mistake before being removed shortly after. <laughs> um, From a game dev. Supposedly, the story is that it was a, a tweet sent out from a disgruntled employee that was frustrated with everything that's going on at No Man, uh, everything that's going on at Hello Games. Others are saying clearly the Twitter page was hacked, but there's no confirmation on what, like, what was actually going on. But uh, either way, it's kind of nice because it's going to, well, it should force Hello Games to actually come out and make a statement in regards to what's going on, but they, they probably won't. They'll probably just take care of the situation and they go on being silent. Uh, definitely not winning any uh, brownie points for uh, yeah, any, whether or not any future projects they may want to try to make. Never going to be able to make a game without an immense amount of scrutiny. I mean, I won't consider getting the game, even if it looks amazing, because I'm like, oh, look at this trailer. It looks awesome, right? Well, but the game ain't going to be anything like that. Unless they do, like, a 100% transparent development cycle, I don't see them making a successful I, game. I don't see that happening. If they, I want them... I know they probably can't, since Sony gave them probably t so much money, but I just want to know if the reason why it was released so early was f Sony's fault. We may never know. No. Was like, it early? Or... The game clearly does not have all the features that they intended to have in the game. Were they just, you know... They were either misinterpreting. done... Yeah, they were either done creating it, like, done because they gave up, or Sony was like, look, we'll give you this money, but we want this game out right now. I mean, based and... on the way they've been acting, I wouldn't be surprised if they just got fed up partway through development. Like, Screw it. We're done making this game. Just let's reimburse our losses and s s sell it right now. They seemed enthusiastic, though, about it <laughs> before Until the it came game out. actually came out, then they're like, oh, snap. People, yeah. People don't I, I, I don't know. Something obviously happened, and I hope the truth comes out eventually. I hope it's not just the fact that they're like, yeah, it, this was what we meant to have, or the sun kind of ran out of money. Yeah. They, they could have run out of money. Sony gave them so much near the end to have a PS exclusive. And they made a ton of money for, for like sales. That should have been enough to continue development, but they're so yeah. not saying anything about the game. Anyway, I think this is a job for Daniel Dwyer to make a documentary on. 
<laughs> some investigative journalism together. Exactly. <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, more sad news. It's depending on how you look at it. Uh, Evolve, game we've talked about before, uh, has ceased development altogether. And it's not due to a developer possibly giving up or anything like that. Uh, the guys at the, uh, what is it, Turtle Rock Studios, very much were enthusiastic about Evolve and wanted to keep working on it, but the t- their publisher, 2K, pulled the plug and made them stop working on the project, stating that 2K owns the rights to the game, and so they have the final say on whether or not they want the game to continue being worked on or not, and they they just shut them down. So now for those that are playing Evolve since the free-to-play update, uh, it's a short-lived resurrection of the game, and it's going to go back to being irrelevant. Kind of sad. Because uh, yeah. we, we didn't play a whole lot of Evolve when the free-to-play update came, but it was kind of fun. It was repetitive, but it was kind of fun in between. If you... A little bit more content, it would have been solid. I guess the good news is uh, this will give Turtle Rock the opportunity to just start from scratch and maybe make something else. Maybe something Evolve that, 2. Evolve 2. Something that maybe has a better groundwork to work from. Concept is good. I guess we'll see. Um, and then some not so sad news. The rumors have finally come true. Rockstar has announced Red Dead Redemption 2. Best news I've heard in a while. You sound so enthusiastic about it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they released a short little teaser trailer that doesn't show a whole lot other than the uh, the world of Red Dead on the newest engine, the most recent one, the same one they used for and holy crap does the visuals of this game just look incredible yeah plants everywhere foliage the animals the the way that people are like animated looks fantastic but we don't know anything about the story this is supposedly taking place afterwards but it's hard to hard to tell we don't know if this is the same location or not all we really know is it's a it's an open world game it's going to feature an online component, so presumably Red Dead Online, and uh, it's coming out fall 2017. I do believe they said it, uh, early next year, so like January or February or something like that, they're going to release more information on the game. So uh, you have to stay tuned for that, or whatever they announce. I'm just worried that they're going to focus more on the online aspect than the single player aspect of the game. Like they did with Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah, because did you hear they for Grand Theft Auto Five they canceled the single player expansions? Yeah, I'm so bummed about that. I'm not the hugest fan of Grand Theft Auto single player, but it's fun enough. And if they had released something like they did for Grand Theft Auto Four, like Riders of the Damned or uh, Ballad of Gay Tony or something like that for Ballad of Gay Tony, they released something like that for Grand Theft Auto Five. I would have played it. Would have bought it, would have played it. But uh nope. Just uh there's adding on to Grand Theft Auto Online, which is not my thing. It's grindy kind of It's kinda like an MMO. 
Grand Theft Auto MMO, it's not really my, it's not my thing. I liked the online component of Red Dead Redemption, but I don't like it enough to go out and play tons of hours of it just to get things unlocked and then spend more money on it. Unless they did like a Undead Nightmare 2 or something. But even that had like a really good single player component to it, so it was worth it. Anyways, uh, we've been wanting that for a while, and it's finally coming true. So very happy. Uh, nothing really on the rumor mill this month, as far as I can tell. At least I haven't heard any rumors myself. But uh, there were a couple of the actual events that have that went on since the last episode. The one of the big ones was uh, PlayStation having a formal meeting on the seventh uh, September. They officially confirmed the PlayStation 4 Slim at a price point of $299, which had been leaked before that, so that's not surprising. But then they announced the actual name for what was formerly known as the PlayStation 4 Neo. It is now known as the PlayStation 4 Pro, going to cost $399, going to be released on November 10th. It has supposedly double the GPU power of the regular PlayStation 4 Pro. Not the regular for Pro, but just the regular PlayStation 4 Pro. I don't know why I'm saying that. <laughs> I, I keep saying Pro. It's <laughs> okay, we understand. <laughs> uh, it's going to have an overclocked CPU. I'm standard with a one terabyte hard drive. Supposedly it's going to support HDR colors for those with a, a TV that supports it. Uh, and it's going to have upscaled 4K video. And the ability to stream 4K video, but it does not actually support 4K Blu-rays, which is very head scratcher. That's very strange, considering Blu-ray is a Sony-made technology. Like, I think uh, uh, they said it added like fifteen dollars to the price or something production cost. I'm mean, sure that would add up over thousands of units, but they're they're like. Hey, if you just want to watch 4K, just just stream it. They they do realize that streaming 4K is not very valuable, right? They know the average internet speed in the US. <laughs> yeah. What's the quote about data caps? Like, I'm not going to be streaming 4K anytime soon. But uh, may, no, maybe maybe down the line it become uh, more accessible. But that was a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. Uh. Anyways. No concrete numbers as far as the uh, PlayStation's performance is going to be. But uh, what do you guys think of the announcement of the PlayStation 4 Pro or the 4.5 as some still call it? I would have waited for a 5. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you don't have a PlayStation 4, this is a pretty decent buy. But... right. This is not going to compete with what the Scorpio is claiming to be. And it definitely like does not compete someone with a computer. Who has never bought a PS4? I'm pretty sure a more expensive PS4 is not something that's going to be pulling you into that, that's the true. ecosystem. <laughs> the Slim might, I... but um, yeah. I I don't I don't think it's doing them too well. I don't but the whole new like Xbox One and a half and Xbox and PlayStation Four and a half, I don't really like. 
I understand why they're coming out with 4K things. I don't think the game companies realize how much 4K is that common. They're just kind of future-proofing it, I guess. Yeah, but if they keep moving so far ahead... We can't even get 1080p60 from these consoles. <laughs> yeah. Sure. yeah. It's like you're you're trying I to mean, get ready for technology that's four times more demanding than that. Not gonna happen. Yeah, they they are totally boasting on, out of their range. Twenty four frames per second, Kyle. My bad. You can definitely feel it though. I can. I guess only the, the has, sixty has, FPS has, games I've been playing have been placebo effects. That yeah. had uh, sarcasm layered quite heavily on it for those. <laughs> <laughs> My whole life is a lie. Uh, yeah, it just seems like they consoles are uh, not saying they are directly trying to compete with right now, but I don't. I feel like they're a little bit stretching <laughs> their limits. Um, I like the uh, the approach Nintendo's comes- going with. They're just like. Yeah, instead of trying to spend thousands of dollars to try to compete with uh, computer hardware, we're just going to do our own thing. Yeah, like, I'm not saying uh, PCs are always better, and consoles definitely fill their role and are awesome, but they obviously have limits, and they're having struggles with just, like, the 1080 right now. Why don't they fix that problem before being like, hey, look, we can do 4K now, too, and we can do all this VR stuff, too, and like... 4K with an asterisk. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, Actually, native 4K, instead it's upscaled and it has the FPS greatly reduced. 4K at 1 FPS. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't say it was good know. performance, we just said it could do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We didn't say for how long either. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are a little bummed what the 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 pro actually ended up being. It's not really a standout unless you exclusively play PlayStation things. If you think about it, it's just gonna push out the development of the next console a little bit longer. A little bit longer. I think. I hope. Uh, I hope that before they make the new new consoles, they wait for uh, uh, like VR and 4K to become a bit more popular and. Well, I mean, they should, yeah. The technically Scorpio is the last Xbox. As of... that is true. I'll ask you that again, like five years after it comes. See what we're at. <laughs> so technically, PlayStation and it's Nintendo like... will be the only. So on the that just means that the console. next console is not going to be called Xbox. We'll call it something else. Uh, Windows Box. Yeah, it's going to be a Windows-powered console that, but just for people that don't want to buy a PC. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, that was the PlayStation event. Uh, not overly impressed, but I uh, guess we'll have to see. That, right, as of right now, PlayStation is still on top as far as the two consoles go. But, uh, I will say though, Xbox has been selling better than PlayStation for the past three, four months or so. I believe, at least in North America, it has been, and uh, other countries like uh, Japan has been selling better as well. So I don't know what that means, but uh, there's a bit of a shift going on in the console market right now. Interesting to see how that goes. Uh, another big event that happened. 
was uh, TwitchCon, which started their own uh, convention just last year, and now here's their second one. And they, in my opinion, they hit it out of the park for some of the announcements they made there. Uh, one of the things they announced was that Twitch, the online streaming platform, is now going to allow users to upload videos directly to their service, same way YouTube does. So if you have a sick montage or like a review or something that you put together, you can upload it there for your followers to watch. You can search for other people's content through the uploads program as well. Uh, also, this is probably the biggest thing they announced was Twitch Prime. And Ooh. what Twitch Prime is, is if you have a pre-existing Amazon Prime subscription, you're automatically enrolled in Twitch Prime. And it gives you oh, awesome. the ability to subscribe to someone for free, one person for free each month, which means if you have a content creator that you really enjoy, you can go subscribe to them for free, get the benefit of supporting them, give them a little bit of, uh, a little bit of cash every month, and you get access to their subscribers and all the other benefits that their channel may have. So that's awesome. There, it was literally Amazon being like, hey... You, here's an option to go out and subscribe to someone so that we can pay them a little bit extra and you get the benefit of being part of their community. A win-win for everybody. Uh, other benefits of Twitch Prime includes uh, free games. They are going to be giving away free games through the Twitch service. Um, first month, I believe they were... See what games are. Uh, I can't remember what they're giving away for the first month. I do know they're also giving away uh, unlockable skins for like characters in Smite or Hearthstone. But I believe I saw that for next month, the month of November, that they're actually giving away the game This War of Mine for free, which is a pretty successful indie game. It's usually about $10 to $15 on Steam. So that's a really good value for what you're getting with Twitch, uh, Twitch Prime. You're basically earning the money back just from the subscription alone, but then you're getting free games and skins on top of it, so that's pretty cool. It's a it's a really big deal for those that are actively watching on Twitch. And the uh, another big thing they announced was uh, a while ago, Amazon announced their own game development engine called Lumberyard, and the first couple games being created on the Lumberyard engine have been announced. The uh, first one was Breakaway, which is a 4v4 esports title. I'm not too sure about that, because usually when a game is developed specifically for esports, it's not terribly interesting, but it's about to see how that ends up developing in the process. Uh, they announced another game called New World, which is a sandbox-based MMO set in the 17th century with supernatural themes. That was kind of exciting. I don't know what kind of uh, model they're going to have for it, but it will have Twitch Broadcaster in, uh, Incorporation, so I don't know what that's going to entail, if uh, viewers can get involved in your MMO character or whatnot, get involved in your world. And the third game they announced was Crucible, which is a survival-based survival game based uh, in an alien world. So uh, that was cool. Like I said, all these games are going to have some sort of Twitch incorporation. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. But yeah, uh, Twitch has, has been killing it lately. All three of these announcements have been really good. Great time to be a part of the service, I feel. And uh, you guys want to talk some esports? 
We don't watch a whole oh, lot of esports, we... but there's been there's been some interesting things. Hey, go ahead. What were you gonna say? Before we touch on esports, I just wanted to say it's interesting how Twitch you can now upload videos to it, and now on YouTube you now stream from YouTube. <laughs> so they're like becoming the same thing, but competing, but also not competing because I know Twitch and YouTube are like partners almost, like maybe not complete partners, but they. I mean, yeah, they've let you export like broadcasts from twitch and save them as videos on youtube so i don't know if that's going to keep going on or what's going gonna happen it's kind of strange yeah i wonder if they're going to be competitors eventually which would make things a bit difficult for youtubers slash streamers who use both and you're not, you're I, not I don't know start picking one or the other yeah, you might have to choose sides. Uh, I, I have been testing out the upload system a little bit. I've been putting a couple of videos up on my uh, Twitch channel there. And it seems like it works pretty well. Player's still not the best thing in the world, especially on mobile phones. But uh, the quality is pretty good. Like, I upload a 1080p video and it kept the quality pretty well. Whereas YouTube will, like, reduce the quality a little bit just so that it runs better. So there's a trade-off there. Kind of a preference thing, I suppose. But, uh... I think as Twitch improves their player, it may end up edging it out as far as gaming videos go. May also be a little biased, but who knows. <laughs> YouTube definitely doesn't win when it comes to uh, incorporating incorporating new uh, like moderation policies and whatnot. You know, did you guys hear about the YouTube Heroes program? Yeah, I did. Oh my god! Yes. Terrible decision. It could, uh, Terrible decision. Yeah, it's, it probably It's like a reward go. system for trolls. Exactly. Yeah. It's so ironic that they end up having to block the comments on that video. Basically just proving the point of everyone that disagrees with the system, saying you cannot crowdsource your moderation to the YouTube community when you have to end up blocking comments on your video because the YouTube community is toxic. <laughs> it does like all of Apple's announcement videos? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there it's like uh hint just just don't do it doesn't work anyways esports stuff i don't <laughs> follow that many esports uh the only ones i follow in particular include starcraft 2 very very briefly and primarily league of legends but um uh, i do want to mention starcraft 2 something that happened recently which was really cool in the uh korean gsl finals it was a Terran player Beyond versus the Pro Dust player SOS. And in quite an upset, Beyond beat SOS, not because, you know, like he's a favorite or anything, but it's because Beyond is a player that has been teamless for a little while. I want to just kind of imagine that. He's a teamless player, made it to the finals of the Korean League, and won. He beat the person that was probably the favorite, who has multiple titles to his name it's, and, and it's kind I didn't, of it's a really I don't big deal watch StarCraft, Starcraft too much because StarCraft is a, is a kind of a game where it's like if you don't have a team you can't really practice specific things against people you just rely on the like the, the matchmaking the ladder you just that's what you rely on but basically some dude that just plays on the ladder the matchmaking all the time won the Korean finals. Because I know how big that is over there. <laughs> that's that's kind of a big deal. 
I know, like uh, he he had a there were articles on ESPN written about the the situation, which is really cool. And I've I've been following StarCraft two for a long time. Like I first started watching that back in like 2011, and I remember Bion, who was on a team back then, but he was just like some rookie player that people always said, oh, he has a lot of potential. He has nerve issues from time to time, but he's always been kind of decent, never really making it that far. And then, like, five years later, here he is, teamless, winning the finals. I'm like, oh, never saw that coming. That was, Bet she so has cool. a team now. I, I That I don't know. I could go check. Let's see. Uh, apparently, he's on Team Expert now. I don't know if that's old name for <laughs> teamless people. Oh, he, apparently he's uh, been signed by Acer's team. So now he's like on an international team. Good for him. Yeah, uh, quite the accomplishment. Anyways, moving on to another esports event that just happened last night, actually. The uh, League of Legends World Championship came to a close at the Staples Center as SKT won face off against Samsung Galaxy in a best of five series. Michael, what did you think of that final? Oh, uh, wow. This, this final best of five was probably the best League of Legends uh, World Championship that I've ever seen watching. I've seen half of them, I think. Oh, wait. Did we watch year three? Uh, yeah, I think that I've was watched SKT four. one versus uh, Royal. Yeah, so we we watched. Um, I, I've actually I've seen four of the six world finals, <laughs> and this is de- this was definitely the most exciting one, uh, with the peak being a seventy-two minute game. I think. Yeah, the game which was over seventy minutes long. Was so stressful. <laughs> and like even the casters were like going crazy the entire time all 70 minutes were action packed and i don't know this this like last night it was hard to go to sleep after this because best of 5 was so exciting and they're definitely a fun series to watch like even even after this crazy group stages and everything this uh, the world uh, final definitely. Even if you're someone that doesn't watch League of Legends esports, I would recommend going to YouTube and searching for SKT one versus Samsung game three world finals and watching that third game there. It, it was, was awesome. It was kind of one sided for like the first twenty minutes, but then after that, Samsung starts making the comeback and it's just neck and neck for the next fifty minutes or so. It was it was awesome. I really enjoyed that. It was, it was so much fun to watch. The whole series for was people great. that yeah, for people that don't know, SKT won um has is already won two world championships for league, and they are the only team that has won two. So now they are now in the finals for their third one last night, of course. And I don't know, should we spoil it? It's doesn't really matter. Uh, let's not spoil it just yet. Go watch it. If you like esports, it's a it went all great the way series to, the to final watch. Game. It was intense. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
But uh, yeah, I think that's going to wrap up any news related to stuff that's happened in the past two months since we did an episode. Let's go ahead and kind of just wrap up with some games that have come out since the last time we did an episode. Uh, I won't touch on everything because there would be dozens and dozens and dozens, but some of the uh, the more notable ones that have come up recently, if you have missed it, includes Bioshock the Collection, which is kind of like a remastered version of the Bioshock series for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Dead Rising 1 and 2 have made next-gen debuts and kind of like a remastered version for those that are getting ready for the upcoming uh, was it Dead Rising 4, I believe it is? Dead Rising 4 is coming Eventually, out. Eventually, yes. Uh, Halo has finally made its way back to PC, getting a Halo 5 Forge Edition for the Windows 10, which kind of sad to say, I never, I haven't got a chance to really play it much, just because when it came out, I just didn't feel like playing Forge. I'm really happy that they finally brought something Halo-related to PC, so kudos to Microsoft for that. Um, Destiny's released a new version of the game called The Collection, Destiny of the Collection, which is now the definitive complete version of Destiny, which includes all four DLC packs and is the best way to get into the series if you haven't done so already and you still want to. There's a version of that on Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Uh, ReCore has come out for PC, Xbox One. Force of Horizon 5 has also come out. Some big names there from Microsoft. Uh, Firewatch, a indie game that we just talked about recently getting a movie, has made its way onto Xbox One. Jazz Punk, Director's Cut, coming out to PS4. Warhammer <laughs> Vermintide. If, if, for those that haven't seen Jazz Punk, just go find a video on YouTube. It, it's amazing. <laughs> go, go watch Donkey play it. Go watch Donkey play You won't regret it. Video game Donkey playing Jazz Punk. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Anyway, um, yeah, Warhammer Vermintide is like a Left 4 Dead clone making its way to Xbox One and PS4. Do recommend it if you have friends that are into the, that kind of game. Uh, Five Nights at Freddy's is making its re-reboots or next version of the game. I don't know what you want to call it. There's a new Five Nights at Freddy's that come out, so you've, you've probably seen it on YouTube somewhere. I will say, though, I actually like this new one. So, uh, sorry. Internet that hates it. But I, I like the new Five Nights at Freddy's. It, they're doing different things with it. So, uh, yeah. There's that. Anyways, moving on. Mafia 3 has finally come out to relatively disappointing reviews. Uh, some people are not a big fan of it. Gears of War 4, we already talked about that a bit. Uh, it came out for PC and Xbox One. Rise of the Tomb Raider has finally come out on the PlayStation 4 for those that have not played it yet. But it is available on all three major systems. Shadow Warrior 2 came out as well. As well as... Batman Return to Arkham, which is the remastered collection of the first two Arkham games for Batman. Battlefield 1 hits World War 1 and brings it to the next-gen consoles. Civilization 6, Titanfall 2, and the remastered version of The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim have all come out as well. Basically, just a bunch of big names there. A little bit of something for everyone. But uh, last but not least, uh, PlayStation VR has released. For those that have a PlayStation to play it on, and it includes titles such as Batman Arkham VR and Drive Club VR. Yeah, that was a mouthful right there. 
quickly, <laughs> just for those that are looking for new things to play in the near future, a couple of things you can consider because these are coming out in November includes the PlayStation 4 Pro, the new the new PlayStation there. We were just talking about that as well. Call of Duty's yearly release in Infinite Warfare. Tyranny from Obsidian, the makers of titles such as Path of... No. Uh, what is the name? What is that game called? Uh, they made Fallout New Vegas. How, let's go with that. You probably know Fallout New Vegas. They're making a villain-based RPG for PC called Tyranny. Dishonored 2 from Bethesda. Assassin's Creed is getting an Exio collection, which I think is going to include like four or five different Assassin's Creed games all in one. Maybe not that many. It's like. Wait, Etsy, Etsy only had three games. He had uh, Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood. Brotherhood and Revelation. Those three games. Three Assassin's Creed games is pretty good deal, honestly. That's a, that's a lot of stuff right there. Those are, those are good games, yeah. Those are good ones. I recommend 2 and Brotherhood at least. If you get that far, you might as well finish out the trilogy. Uh, Ubisoft is having Watch Dogs 2 come out for PC, Xbox One, and PS4. Planet Coaster, which is basically the reincarnation of the uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon series. We also have Killing Floor 2 for those that like co-op survival games of a bunch of gore and zombies. Pokemon Sun and Moon are making its way to 3DS. For those that are fans of horror, consider Amnesia Collection for PS4. I do recommend Amnesia. It's a fantastic title. Uh, Darksiders War Mastered Edition coming out for PC, Xbox One, PS4, and Wii U. Out of curiosity, have either of you played Darksiders before? I have not. I always wanted to pick it up, though. I recommend it. It's like a really neat cross between God of War and The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, that's what it looked like. And I, since I like God of War, I... I mean, you actually do play as like the the one of the horsemen death. of the apocalypse. You play as War in the first one, and then he plays Death in the second. So it's a good series. I think they're actually reviving the series, too, in the near future. I don't know too many details on that, but Darksiders is making a comeback, and I recommend checking it out if you haven't played it yet. Uh, Final Fantasy XV, probably one of the biggest releases of the year, coming out for Xbox One and PS4. And last but not least, The Walking Dead, A New Frontier from Telltale Games, is busy being released on every platform known to man. And that's going to wrap up everything that we have to talk about so far do you either of you have any closing thoughts that you'd like to make before we close out the show um not really final thoughts anything you'd like to make a correction on uh, uh did we touch we are... on project cd red turning towards government grants for funding their next project i haven't heard about that oh well, then, that'll be a later date. <laughs> That's going to be a bit of a tease for future events, I suppose. <laughs> Next month. Next month. <laughs> Sorry, I brought it up. <laughs> I had no idea that was going on. Is this uh, brand new news somewhere? That was, that was more of a current event, so we probably would have touched on the early news, but... Yeah, uh, if it... But no, I don't have anything else. <laughs> if we hear anything else on that, we Sorry. will bring it up next episode. Okay, but yeah, so keep it, uh, keep an eye on the uh, interwebs there. We'll be making updates when we get closer to making another episode. 
probably around the end of November sometime after Thanksgiving, maybe. Um, and then, yeah. And then after that, it'll be December. And I think we'll be doing a recap of the year kind of thing, or maybe our own little game of the year special. I don't know yet, but something to keep an eye on because we'll probably be doing something special for that. If you have any suggestions on the show or any questions for us, feel free to let us know on Twitter or on our Facebook page. If you're on Twitter, you can find us at MNJ underscore podcast. And if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Mouse and Joystick Podcast. Either one of those, you could probably just do a search for Mouse and Joystick and find us in some capacity. And we, we definitely like to hear more from you guys because so far it seems like it's been rather one way, which is which is fine. But going into next year, <laughs> we'd love to get more of the community involved with stuff that we're doing. But until then, we're going to go ahead and sign off and you gentlemen and ladies have a wonderful night yes and happy halloween to those who celebrate wake me